0: Welcome to the Otherwise Podcast, Season 2. I'm your host, Casey Tigret. I'm an author, pastor, and spiritual director. Today, our conversation rotates around three people. The author of the book that we're talking about is Carol Berry. But we're also talking about the intersection of two luminous personalities in history, in Christianity, and in art. One being Henry J. M. Nowen, a renowned psychologist, professor at Yale, and Notre Dame but also a great writer of the spiritual life. The other person is Vincent van Gogh, the artist, the acclaimed artist of paintings such as Starry Night, and also a very interesting figure in human history. Carol Berry writes a book that is the intersection of the life of Vincent van Gogh through the lens of Henry Nouwen, played out and applied In the life of she and her husband in their ministry in various churches in the northeastern part of the United States. The reason this conversation is valuable and why I would love for you to listen to the rest of the episode is to find the intersection between art, faith, and ultimately the wisdom of compassion. This episode is going to be one of my favorite episodes, I can already tell. And so I'm asking that perhaps today you would take a moment and think about the intersection of art, faith, spirituality, creativity in everything that you do, but also all of those things wrapped up together in the work of compassion that God has left for us to do. Without saying more, here's Carol Berry. Carol, good morning. Thanks for being a part of the show today.
1: Thank you. It's wonderful to be on your show.
0: where, where are we? Where are you? Where are you at in the US as we're talking? Are you in the US? I shouldn't ask that question. So. No, I
1: am in the US. I'm in a wonderful spot southwestern Vermont in Manchester. It's a beautiful state, green mountains. Now, right now it's lush and, and just beautiful, beautiful. So that's where I'm talking to you from.
0: And, and you've been in the, in the, in the eastern, northeastern part of the U.S. for quite some time now, if I'm remembering correctly.
1: Yes, for about 20 years. We moved mm. here from uh, Los Angeles, um, where we had been for 11 years. And before that, we were already on the East Coast. But so we, it, it's a full circle. I came to America in 1974, and my first three years were in Vermont. And then after that, we traveled around, and we're back in Vermont. It's, a, it's for me, a home state. I feel very much at home here.
0: So it is interesting how we how we trade homes. The ones that have the most impact on us emotionally seem to become home rather than the place where we may have spent the majority of our life. I always find that fascinating where where people call home often has nothing to do with where they were born or right. even their accent, for example.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, it's the landscape here and the people and the and the nature uh, surrounding me that has spoken to me. So I guess wherever I was that I've always been drawn to woods and lakes and just nature and having gardens and weeds and things to look at and learn from. Wherever that is, I, c- I guess I can say I'm home, but Vermont itself is definitely a special place for me.
0: I think... I think that I have noticed no I don't think that I've noticed I have noticed that the Bible and the life that we live there's there is such thing as I think a wisdom of a place like there is a a wisdom to a place where we live, a, a way of living well that the earth around us or the people around us or the the culture around us can teach us. And mm-hmm. And our podcast, our, this podcast is all about wisdom. So I always like to start uh, with my guests and just ask the question. And I, I always want to give a, a little piece rather than say, hey, give me the whole, <laughs> the full explosive thing. But yeah. if you had to define the word wisdom, where would you begin?
1: Well, um, wisdom to me, when when I thought about that, um, the, the the word compassion comes to mind. It what other things that come to mind are learning, being open, being in tune, um, listening. Wisdom uh, is an ongoing. Um, experience um we're not just all of a sudden wise it comes from many many avenues in our lives um and i think we have to synthesize the things we've learned the things we've experienced and always keep in mind that um we are meant to love one another and with the love and the knowledge we gain we have a chance of becoming wiser Uh, and also realizing that we don't always have all the answers wisdom is a is a a sort of a a beautiful there's a depth to it um sometimes you think yourself to have said something wise and other times you're not so it's not that you're (laughs) always wise but i just think basically you have to be loving you have to be um open to the inspiration that that is around us open to our, uh, you know, the faithful uh, living um, according to our learning that has taken place throughout our life. So I think children can be wise. It doesn't come with age only. So um, it's a very flexible word and deep word and not one to be taken lightly, I think. So I don't know if I'm answering this, but... (laughs) It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful question, and it's a good thing to think about, what wisdom is. That um...
0: starting, starting wisdom from the place of compassion, that is such a unique perspective. And what's, what I notice about it is that it embodies it. Mm-hmm. It puts it at compassion is a very human thing to do. Yeah. Ideas, don't, ideas don't have compassion people have compassion right right and so it takes a person in a place at a time Mm -hmm. which gives it a very meaty tangible kind of feeling but it also what i what i think is is helpful about that is i've always found wisdom to be very adaptive Mm -hmm. yeah whereas law is very every place every time it's this whereas wisdom is like well today yeah this is a different scenario and, and compassion has that same ring to it, yeah. which which is not surprising that you would start there, given the fact that the book we're talking about is about two men and about your family, but about two about stories of people who have embedded themselves in a place mm-hmm. with a people and and showed compassion and so in your book uh about henry nowen and vincent van gogh and the reason i had to do this i wanted to have this conversation i didn't have to i wanted to uh was because i don't know that there's anyone who has had a deeper impact on me than henry nowen has oh
1: really no. um,
0: and i didn't come by his writings until after he had passed away so i didn't have a chance to spend time listening to him other than on youtube and things like that right right so when you look at these two luminary people and there's a there's sort of a depth of lenses seeing one through the other, mm-hmm. where does that wise compassion come through in the stories of people like like Nowen or like Van Gogh? And that may start with you talking about how you know how you interacted with Henry Nowen. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: when I, let me just go back a little bit. I did meet Henry Nowen in 1979 at um, Yale Divinity School where my husband was going. I just audited the class. I wasn't a Yale student. And at the time, I took it because of the fact that Henry used Vincent van Gogh as a case study in his class entitled Compassion. So Henry, in a very intellectual setting at a divinity school, was really talking not about scriptures as much as about how to live in a community and to teach his theological students the practicality of being immersed in ministry in a, in a, in a real place. And so uh, he, Vin- Henry, had uh, discovered in Vincent, not too long before that, this incredibly compassionate human being. And he also had realized that nobody had looked at Vincent Van Gogh that way. So in a sense, he did more than one thing in that class, but I was attracted to take it because of the fact that I was an artist, aspiring art teacher. So Vincent was the attractive part, even though I also at that time was already in awe of Henry. But um, And so Henry opened us uh, to looking at this very wounded uh, um, men, uh, most people thought of as a, um, you know, kind of a crazed, uh, wounded artist. Uh, Henry looked at him in a different way, and he looked at Henry. That in Vincent, I'm sorry, I'll be interchanging those two names. He will look. He looked at Vincent um, through the lens of Vincent's letters, 900 letters that Henry then read and looked at his art, and so he knew this man very well, and he was able to impart on us the um, depth of Vincent's life as a compassionate man, teaching us, in turn, what compassion was. And for Henry, compassion has three stages. And it moves from a place of solidarity, so you've been talking about place and being in connection with people, that solidarity into consolation, into being with somebody where it hurts, where they're suffering, and on to being a comforting presence. So he used Vincent as an example for those three stages of compassion. So at the time in 1979, I was quite um, moved by looking at an artist that closely. And it was a wonderful experience. But it was only 20 years later that I picked up Henry and Vincent again. And it was after Henry's death when I received um, his notes from that class. He had never written anything about Compassion and, and Vincent. And I was asked by his literary executrix, Sue Wastella, who wrote the um, foreword of the book, to do something with this, with these notes. And I did not consider myself a writer. And I also always felt Henry was a wonderful man and he did visit us and we saw him at action in, in where he lived. But I really connected to Henry then. Once I started looking at his notes about Vincent, Once I started to immerse myself again into Vincent's life, I hadn't done it for 20 years, almost. And that's when Henry and I and Vincent connected and they became my companions for the last 20 years. And so um, it's, I I think I forgot your initial question, but um, the, the compassion, that uh, I saw exemplified in Vincent's life, thanks to Henry, has definitely influenced my life and has made me look at the years of our ministry, my husband's and I ministry, in light of compassion, in light of the solidarity, consolation and comfort. And that's how my stories came into being. So the book didn't happen until I realized that I needed to put my stories into it. For 20 years, I tried to write something. I spoke about Henry. I spoke about Vincent. But I couldn't write the book until I realized Henry was all about practicality. Henry was all about in community. Henry was all about living with each other. So I had to put what essentially was another case study into the, into the book, along with Vincent.
0: That is one of the magical pieces of this book is that when, if you were to read the title, you may you may expect to read something about uh, a point counterpoint kind of connection between this unbelievably luminous Yale psychologist mm-hmm. uh, who ended up living out the rest of his life in a lark community right. in Canada uh, and someone who I think a lot of folks who know him would consider a very eccentric and you you talked about troubled. Uh, artist in Vincent van Gogh. Mm-hmm. But what I notice is that the premise of the book, and this is why I think that compassion as wisdom idea really makes sense, is that the book is really built on relationships. Yes. The relationship of Henry to his own community, to Vincent, the relationship of Vincent to his art, but also to the people uh, he painted and the people he suffered with. Right. But also for you and your husband. Talk a little bit about the place in which you all, your stories that you include in the book came out of, your ministry locations. What how, what were those like for people who, who may not know what you all have done and where you've been? All
1: right. Well, uh, after Yale, um, we left uh, and started our ministry. And I always say our ministry because I was extremely involved with my husband's work, even though I was also able to do my own things. But I found the ministry uh, was a wonderful place. Uh, communal place for the two of us but i have to go back a little bit again before we went to yale uh, we spent three years in solidarity so to speak as vincent did in the belgian you know mining district but in solidarity with extremely wonderful people living in the northern part of vermont living in extreme poverty and uh steve was a student pastor there in two parishes and It was an immersion into what Henry later talked about in his class on compassion. We didn't know it at the time. We were 23, we were young, we didn't have answers, we didn't know suffering really, we didn't know poverty. Uh, We were really thrown into life uh, on a a wonderful deep level with people who who were very deprived and yet so generous of spirit. And we learned more in those three years in these incredibly poor communities in Northern Vermont, then uh, I almost can say them in the next ministries, although no, learning never stops. But what I have often said, those three years were the basis for our ministry, because we were in solidarity. And sometimes the only thing we could do was to be consoling we didn't have answers but we just were there so i have to say this when when we ended up at yale after those three years steve who had been doing practical ministry was all of a sudden thrown into a academic setting where he had to study and do exegesis and you know doing all these uh, wonderful (laughs) learning experiences but they were on a different level and he couldn't he couldn't find his way in that academic setting. I just had given birth to a little boy. So I was very happy with my motherhood uh, and and involved with that at the time. And Steve thought he was going to fail Yale until he took Henry's class, Compassion. And the class that Steve took was just called Compassion. It wasn't about Vincent yet. Vincent was Henry's discovery for the next class that he taught, which I took. But it was thanks to Henry that Steve realized he was on the right track of of his ministry. He thought actually he may have made the wrong decision to become a pastor and going to Yale. but Henry allowed Steve to see that he had already uh, uh, made strides in what it meant to be a pastor in a in a community in a community of congregants so Henry allowed an, an almost um you know uh, justified Steve's being there. And he was able to then finish Yale. So the setting was, at that time, the, the Eden or the Northern Vermont setting was the basis for our ministry. We went then on to St. Louis uh, in a biracial church. We went on to New York and Los Angeles. And everywhere we went, the uh, idea of community, the idea of being in solidarity with the people, and uh, and just sometimes all we could do being a comforting presence that stayed with us uh, from our initial experience. So we received much of learning and much of solidification in our understanding of what it meant to be compassionate, thanks to Henry and Vincent. So that accompanied us through the years. And and I think I wasn't, as we were, you know, traveling in our ministries, thinking all the time, I'm gonna write these stories down. That came much later, you know, realizing the gifts we got throughout the, the ministries from people that we encountered. It wasn't that yeah. we were the compassionate ones. We received compassion also. So, <laughs> the,
0: the, the intriguing thing about this is, you know, remembering those stories in retrospect and now seeing the impact that they had and that you were actually acting in compassion and solidarity mm-hmm. uh, and consolation. And comfort, even though you didn't didn't have the language for it, or right. uh, it. So that makes sense, I think, for some of our listeners. That makes sense coming from you and being in in the spot in ministry where you and your husband were. Mm-hmm. It makes sense coming from Henry Nouwen, if they know of him. There's this priestly work that he did. There's the work of psychology. All of it is is very much about the human. Right. But a lot of people may think. I don't know how that connects with Vincent Van Gogh, Uh, whether that's something that they've heard and assumed Mm -hmm. or whether it's uh, another. Maybe it's a hang up about how do artists actually act compassionately? Yeah. And I know I'm speaking to an artist. so I'm being very careful with that. Uh, Talk about how Vincent fits in that whole, you know, integrated incarnational process presence right. that both you and Nalan and have, have have contributed with your lives
1: right yes as again as i said before if it hadn't been for henry i would not have looked at vincent the way i look at him now and understand him henry did open uh, my eyes and uh and i think that is my mission with this book is to let people realize that this artist was a very compassionate man and what henry uh was able to highlight for and through reading of vincent's letters is that vincent himself wanted to be a pastor he was a very faith-filled human being he grew up as a pastor's son he grew up in a in a home where the bible was read all the time uh the the parables of jesus the sower and the seeds and all these things were also um physically experienced by vincent in the rural town where he grew up he saw the sowers. He saw the reapers. He saw uh, nature. And he, he read, um, you know, Carlyle. also later on in life, w- which said that every star, every color is there to make human beings rejoice. God speaks to us. Calvin says God is, nature is the book through which God speaks to us. So a lot of these lessons Vincent incorporated and he um, was uh, hoping at some point to become a pastor like his father. He, it was so deeply embedded to be uh, giving, to to um, uh, love not only nature, but to uh, love people. He saw the poor in the countryside, in, in uh, the parishes where his fathers worked. He would go to the homes with his father and um, experience their suffering and experience also the... The, the glow of love that the father brought in or the hope that fa- the father could instill in these people when he went into their homes. And it all made a deep impression on Vincent. So eventually he did um, make become a missionary. He failed at the examinations to enter the university to actually become an ordained pastor, but missionary work uh, he felt he could do. And that's what led him into the mining district uh, in the, Belgian borinage, where he experienced real poverty. And this is where Henry said, Vincent experienced the most profound solidarity with the people he was uh, supposed to minister to. Vincent didn't say, and want to talk to people from the pulpit down and and give them hope through words. Vincent actually wanted to help them physically and give them um, solace through being with them on the ground (laughs) level, so to speak and so henry used that example of um vincent's total immersion into uh life um as the place of connection without that connection you cannot understand someone you cannot um be compassionate if you are coming to them from a point of uh wanting to solve their problems from another place in your life. You have to be with them. You have to be there with them. So um, that's how Henry um, opened us to realizing Vincent was living those stages. He became a consoling presence to um, the poor in a city when he decided to become an artist. Um, Yeah, this is another aside I should tell you. Um, Vincent's failure as a missionary ended up um, making him make the decision to become an artist he was uh, given a probation period by the Missionary Society of Belgium to work as a missionary, but because he felt he should do as Jesus did, to be right there with the people. And he followed Jesus' example so uh, profoundly that he became um, indistinguishable from the miners themselves. And the Missionary Society did not approve of someone lowering themselves so much so that uh, they decided to uh, dismiss him. And the excuse they gave was that Vincent's oratory quality, his way of preaching, was not good enough. He didn't, you know, present the gospel message verbally well enough. And in my mind, Vincent realized he needed to find another language to reach people. And the desire to draw had always been there. But it's after the Morinage experience when he realized he was failing as a missionary in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of the institutional church. He decided, based on examples of the artists he knew, like a Rembrandt who could paint the gospel messages, he decided he would use art as his language. So he left um, his missionary work behind and into the stage of learning his art skills while also ministering to the poor in the city. The poor were his models. He didn't have money to pay for models, so he uh, invited the poor from the soup kitchens and the orphanages and so on. And so his consolation and his solidarity continued, even though now his focus was on becoming an artist. And when he realized that his art making would not be able to be um, developed to the extent he wanted to do, while giving solace and consolation to the poor, he also made that final decision to no longer immerse himself as a, uh, physically as a pastor in the life of the poor, but to speak to them through his art. So there was a decision he made only about three years before his death that art would be his sole language. And through his art, he wanted to then reach out and comfort people. And I can talk more about that, but that's a long answer to your question. And I don't have well, answered it
0: completely, but <laughs> you did. There's there's so much in that that's encouraging. I, it, not to be presumptuous, but I, I don't know that it, it, there's something uh, comforting about the fact that uh, it's good that he failed as a missionary. Mm-hmm. What a what a gift that the world received because and I think there's that that that's an important thought for us to have which is uh, sometimes there are these dignified and even divinized positions of well if you if you become a pastor you're a real spiritual person yes right and here's Vincent who who fails at who fails at being a missionary but in the interim because of that. Uh, he has three years to contribute this amazing amount of work right. uh, to the cause of the gospel and compassion to those who are right. Who fit the definition of Jesus uh, about the least of these, I think right. more than anyone else. Right. So wh- so when you look at those the three stories, the story of your life, the story of Nowen's life, the story of Van Gogh, there's obviously an overlap. Mm-hmm. But what I also notice is from the study I've done of Nowen, and of Van Gogh, our, our heroes oftentimes are are fairly flawed people mm-hmm. and especially the most, it seems like the most compassionate people are the ones who are clearest about their uh, hangups. Do you, do you find that to be true in these two men and, and how would you claim that for yourself?
1: Well, uh, yes, I find it to be true. Um, Henry uh, struggled very much with himself, too. And he also went to places where he found people very wounded and struggling, as one of them being, of course, the last place he lived in the Larsh community. And um, and this is much later than, of course, my involvement with Vincent. But Henry always was able to, to bring out the fact that it is the, the wounded people, the people who struggle, who have taught him the most. He talks about the people at the large community uh, having given him more uh, wisdom. I think um, through their even silence way of living, people couldn't even speak. Have taught Vincent, and with with I mean have taught Henry, and with Vincent, um, he often in his letters would say. Uh, when he saw a poor person, uh, one who struggled, that they had so much more soul, or so much more wisdom, um, that uh, he learned more from them than if he had uh, stayed in the parlors of a high society and 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 maybe. Had an easier life, but he always felt that it was where the people struggled, where the people worked hard to make a living, where the people um, uh, supported each other. That was where uh, life was really happening. And what, um, so I find both men have taught me that their own struggles, um, but also their looking at other people's struggles that had so much to teach us has helped me look at human beings everywhere I go uh, as full of, um, and I will use the word wisdom again. I mean, again, in, in our little uh, parishes up in Northern Vermont, it were the, they were the people who had maybe never really read books, but had so much wisdom that they gleaned from nature, from working, from being outdoors under the stars. So, people um who are struggling who who really um, where everything really depends on their own efforts to make it through, they have so much to teach us and I think with Henry and Vincent, both of them have exemplified that in their own lives um, and it has an, very much encouraged my husband and I. Even though we failed in many ways, in many places, uh, to do the things we thought we should do, but to realize those failures also were lessons and helped us maybe gain, gain more insight into, into life and into how to, to be more compassionate.
0: It strikes me that the formation process, our our process of spiritual formation, Mm -hmm. is enhanced so much by listening to the stories of of people who have failed or who Mm -hmm. have struggled. Yeah, and how how infrequently we do that because I feel like we're in a culture of experts. We we'd like to have the people who have look like they have mastered everything. We want them to be our teachers. Uh, we want the people who have won and achieved, uh, that's the assumption is that those are the people you want to learn from. And what Nowen really reveals is that it it is the wounded people who actually bring us more healing. Right. When it comes, when it comes to Vincent, um, I think if anybody knows something about Vincent other than Starry Night and some of his works, Mm -hmm. it's probably two major events, one being an issue that, um. An incident with his ear. Yes. <laughs> and the other being how his life ended. Right. And you talked about both of those in the book in the context of this compassion and solidarity. Mm-hmm. How how can we view those two events in Vincent's life through the lens that you've presented in the book? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, um, yes, it's it's... Uh, These are incidences that have probably uh, grabbed people's attention because they were um, dramatic. You know, Um, what I have often said in my talks, it's not Vincent's ear incident or his death that Vincent would have wanted us to focus on. It's his art. Um, I also do write about the incidences not believing what um, popular uh, culture wants us to believe that Vincent um, was wounded in his ear, that's no question, but um, the fact that we really don't know what happened, he never talked about it, he never even wrote about it to his brother, he made some hints saying, some hints in his letters that indicated to me he did not cut his own ear off. And on the other hand, it was one of those dramatic moments that propelled him out of the uh, town of Arles, where he was living, into the asylum in Saint-Rémy, because his seizures began after the incidents with his ear. Um, So it's another one of those dramatic moments. Yes, it was dramatic, but not to be focused on, because the year after the ear incidents was one of the most prolifically um, fantastic years for his painting. Some of the most um, famous, like Starry Night, uh, paintings came out of the time that he was in an asylum where he had the peace and quiet and the the healthy routine to work. His death also is not written about in any of his letters. Theo died very soon after, so there was no clear um, uh, indication what happened. There are now some theories, and I tend to believe them, that he was wounded, but he did not inflict the wound on himself, and that he knew who wounded him, but he did not point fingers, allowing whoever did wound him in an accident to go free, to not have anything hanging over them. Their life was not um, changed by what had happened. It was almost the last gift Vincent gave, a compassionate gift to uh, most likely these teenage boys who had been taunting him already with with a... broken revolver so in the last 70 days of his life vincent still uh, painted tremendously he was taunted he was an um a man who looked very different from everybody else and and was a, a good um uh, sort of a um person that teenage boys would like to bully and and make fun of um but none of that comes through in vincent's um words or his accusations he, he left the world wanting his pictures to speak, not the incidences. And that's one of the wonderful quotes he said, you know, we have to his brother, we have our pictures and they need to speak for us. So my, t- my tendency, when anyone wants to focus on those two incidences is that's not Vincent. Vincent is the one who painted the glorious, uh, sunsets, the wheat fields, the sorry night, that was his language. And in many of my talks, and this is where I'm now diverging a little bit, where Henry gave me the incredible foundation of understanding Vincent, but Henry wasn't an artist, a practical artist. I work with colors and I work with lines. And so I realized that the piece that was missing from Henry's class was for people to experience what the art language really can tell us. And so many of my workshops, I will have people create art to realize Uh, they're using the same language that Vincent did. And that art has a way to speak. Lines have a psychology to them. uh, Colors are incredibly powerful. They are the language of our soul. And so that when they do any kind of um, art themselves or when they are more open to art as a language, they will also understand Vincent's work better. Vincent pointed to, to many things in nature for us to understand that there is divinity in every moment, in, in the nature, in, in people's eyes, in this act of sowing and reaping and so on. So Vincent opened us and wanted to open us more to the miracles of everyday life.
0: I, and out of that, would there's language around art then, and maybe creativity in general uh, that, that it, it strikes me, I wonder, would you call the language, I, I loved how you said that, the language of the soul. Is that is art an act of worship? Is creativity an act of worship? Is it a spiritual discipline? Is it, is it more than that in your mind? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I think um, drawing and painting f- for people who like to do that can be definitely a point of contact with with our surrounding. Whether you draw a human being or you draw a beautiful tree or a beautiful sunset, the act of drawing makes you connect more closely with whatever it is that you're putting on paper. And I don't mean that you can't do abstractions because the colors and lines speak on themselves too. And Vincent was almost abstracting some of the things. He called it shorthand. He looks at nature, a wheat field, and he puts down in shorthand what the wheat field tells him to do. So I do believe that uh, art can be a discipline. Uh, There is a wonderful, um, well, zen sayings that Vincent adhered to he was very much taken by Zen uh, by the Japanese artists and uh, he took to heart when a Zen artist would say if you want to draw a bamboo you become the bamboo if you want to draw a um, a beautiful tree or a beautiful iris like Vincent did become the iris so there is a disciplinary um, way of entering into our surroundings more deeply by drawing. If you draw, uh, there's another saying, you draw the 10,000 things around you. And when you do that, you realize everything is a, is a miracle, what you, what you see. So I think Vincent's, you know, ability to draw and to look at nature and to put it down and he drew outside. You know, he would kneel on his canvases. as if the wind blew very hard, but he was determined to be in touch with nature in more ways than one while he painted it. So it was a, a sort of a cyclical thing. You look, you take in your hand and your, your pen and brush, uses the colors and lines to put down what you see and what you feel. With Vincent, it wasn't just an automatic, you know, you know a photographic uh, reproduction, what he put on his paper. What he put on his paper was what he saw, but what he felt within himself. So that all came out then onto, into his canvases. So it is definitely a way of entering more deeply into um, whatever it is around you when you draw and paint.
0: This is, uh, you, when when you think about the conversation that we've had and, and what we've even talked about already, I think anybody listening can tell there is a, there's such a wide landscape mm-hmm. uh, between two very large lives mm-hmm. and three, four, you and your husband, now and Van Gogh, it's a lot of landscape, a lot of space, a lot right. of experience, yeah, so you talked about how you you received the notes from the class and then you've been working on the book since then. How did you know when you had because I don't believe books are ever? Finished. Done. You're finished. <laughs> right. Yeah, You're finished, but you're never done, right? Yeah. Uh, how did you know when the moment had come to sort of wrap up the okay. the content of what you were writing?
1: That's such a good question. And, um, and, and uh, it, as I say, it took a long time, 20 years. And in the meantime, I wrote another book about Vincent, Spirituality which was um easier to write because it was just about vincent and i, I was sort of um <laughs> postponing this final you know digging into this book about henry and vincent and as i said maybe before it was only when i realized that the compassion uh, that vincent and henry exemplified was already present in my life that i began to realize i could write this book with the three intersecting um components. But um, when I realized the book was actually finished was when I wrote as many stories that I could think of, of the past that had made such an impact on me, of the, for my ministry. And I think once I had written them all down, whether they were going to use, be used in the book or not, that's when I realized the book was done somehow. I, I poured everything I had into the book, and then I had, thank goodness, editors who were able to pick and choose and really find the stories that exemplified what I was talking about for them better. I was so immersed in my story writing, but I think that's when I realized the the, the book is all right. Um, the stories have been written, the ones that are used are used, and you had a question before, what am I doing, you know, going to be doing uh, from now on after this book is written, those stories have been written. So I may use them in some way and continue this idea of a compassionate portrait. So, uh, But that's, to answer your question, when I had finally written everything down and, and integrated myself into the book, um, because I felt that Henry and Vincent had become so much a part of me that I couldn't just write only about them. So yeah. that's what, how that and happened. That-
0: and that's so helpful to all i mean because there are people listening who are authors there are people listening who are songwriters who are artists maybe painters or and that idea of the book, the project is done when you have fully put yourself into it i think there's a there's a very incarn very incarnational kind of idea there uh, jesus himself yeah. he, he knew that the mission was fulfilled when he had put him his full self into it and all the way up to the point of death. I think that's really helpful language, for, especially for people who do creative work. Uh, and with any creative work, um, I think we want to give a gift to the people who receive it. So uh, what's the gift that you hope this book gives to people who read it?
1: Well, um, I think what I would like to give the reader is what Henry uh, wanted to give through his class and what Vincent wanted to give through his art is to um, open our eyes and open ourselves uh, more fully to what is going on around us, to every encounter we have with other people, uh, to encounters we have wherever we are in the city or in nature, uh, just to be more aware what. Our surroundings can teach us what they can give us, how we can respond. Um, Henry definitely spoke so much about community and that you can't be uh, compassionate or you can't um, really uh, realize yourself without being in community, without being vulnerable. And I think that's what Henry was and Vincent too, is to put down the barriers, uh, put down the walls, become immersed in whatever it is that you are in. And I think, Vincent, in his work, calls us to look at the wheat fields. I mean, he writes it in his letters. You can look at the wheat fields and you can find solace for your suffering. There's something that nature does give you and teach you. So from both men, and uh, I have learned and would like to pass that on, be more aware of what is going on around you. Immerse yourself visually, audually, um embrace what you have around you, become more uh, present. And, uh, and I think uh, you will receive many, many gifts that way, as well as give gifts. And Henry writes about that, you know, that uh, we have that great gift to be compassionate, to be present to one another, to listen to one another. And when, that, when we do that, miracles happen. So I think both men... Uh, do that. And maybe the stories of some of the people that I write about in my book show that they were ordinary folks, and yet they made a huge difference in what they did. Just being present, maybe a kind word, it made a big difference. So that's sort of what I'd like, be more present to people, to your environment.
0: Well, this is a conversation that we could, we could have for hours and hours, <laughs> but I, I appreciate you taking the time to, this morning to talk with us. It's, it has been a real a real and true blessing. So thank you for writing and creating and giving us the gift that you already have.
1: Thank you, Casey. It's been wonderful to talk with you. And I'm very happy that you are highlighting wisdom and ways to live more conscientiously and, and lovingly. So I'm very happy to be part of this. Thank you.
0: Carol A. Berry is an artist art educator, and lecturer at the Vermont Humanities Council. She's the author of a couple of books, Learning from Henry Nouwen and Vincent van Gogh, A Portrait of the Compassionate Life, which is what we talked about today, but also the book Vincent van Gogh, His Spiritual Vision in Life and Art in the Modern Spiritual Master Series. Barry has been studying Vincent van Gogh since 1979 and spent several years under the instruction of Henry J.M. Nouwen as well. She traveled throughout Europe, uh, retracing van Gogh's life, visiting the towns and villages in the Netherlands, Belgium, and France, where Van Gogh lived and worked. She's also published chapters in the books Compassionate Eschatology, The Future as Friend, and Turning the Wheel, Henry Nowen in Our Search for God. She has an MA in Art Education from California State University. You can find more about Carol in the show notes, as well as a link to her book on Van Gogh and Nowen. Also in the show notes, you can find a link to my book that's currently out, as I recall, discovering the place of memories in our spiritual life. I hope this has been an encouraging episode that has inspired your creativity. And also, I hope that you will take a new look maybe at Vincent Van Gogh. So until next time, be well, live wisely, peace friends.